When I say that, when I say go greet somebody, and I don't know if you caught that I said new, I was gonna try to tell you don't go to somebody who you know. We're in a small group, so maybe that's a little difficult and it puts all the guests in the, in the difficult place because they don't know anybody. Uh, so I don't mean to do that, but I'm speaking on hospitality today, so I thought we would try that again. Just thinking about uh, getting outside of our comfort zones, getting outside of the places that make us the most comfortable. And maybe you've picked your seat today uh, as a place that's the most comfortable to you. I don't know. But just trying to get us out of that thinking. But I know that's the most difficult for me is the initiation or meeting new people for the first time. That's not my specialty. Uh, that would be my struggle. Once I get to know people, uh, I love them. Uh, I love to talk to them. I love to get to know people. But it's that first, I hate cold calls. I didn't like sales jobs where it's like, I'm trying to call that person that I've never met before and sell them something that they don't need. It's just difficult. Uh, so it's a gift. Okay, so this may be hard for you like it's hard for me. And if it is, then hospitality might be somewhat difficult for you. Maybe you don't think so. Okay. So I'm going to start off just talking about our homes and what it means that we have a home. And what is your home like? What makes your home such a great place or bad place? Maybe. Maybe you don't like your home. Uh, what makes your home a great place? What makes the atmosphere of your home? It's built on our attitudes and our actions, the way that we treat people who live around there with us. Um, and your home is probably not perfect. And you may be trying to do things to make your perfect more home. I know we're always trying to make our home a place that maybe uh, people would gather. And as our kids begin to leave our home, we want to find ways to draw people back into our home. When you have little kids, it's like you've got people running around all the time. Uh, but as they leave, it's like, how do we make this a place where people would want to come? And I just want to challenge us that our home is not just the enclosures that we live in, but it's the places where uh, we rejuvenate, the places where we recharge, where healing happens, where rest happens, where restoration happens, where nourishment happens, where warmth happens, where food happens, a place where we can relax. And so if I think about a home as a place even where we feel comfortable to eat. Maybe it's not the place where you sleep at night, but maybe it's your favorite restaurant. Maybe it's an activity that you love. Maybe you love to play golf and like the golf course is a home for you. Or maybe it's a boat or maybe it's fishing, uh, whatever hobby it might be. And thinking about hospitality as welcoming people into the places that rejuvenate us, that bring us warmth, that help us, okay? So thinking about homes in that way. And just as we were worshiping, and I was just looking around and I was thinking about our homes and what makes our homes and what our homes might be like. And I just saw this flash of darkness. And I felt like God was saying that I'm gonna take homes that once were dark and I'm gonna bring light to these homes. And I want to bring it to a place where it's going to be a place where people would not enjoy, and now it's a place where people will enjoy. So I don't know who that is or what homes that is, or maybe all of our homes to some degree we can always grow. They're never going to be perfect. But I just felt God saying this morning, I want to do that. I want to change attitudes. I want to change actions in the homes that it might be a different environment, a different place. 
So today we're talking about hospitality. We're in a series called Life on Purpose. This is the last day of our series. This is the end of it. And uh, so I've been given the responsibility to talk about made to be hospitable. And so if I say hospitable, what word or hospitality, what, what comes to your mind? Just think about that for a moment. When you think about hospitality, what comes to your mind? Is it uh, the hospitality industry where you have that perfect vacation? Is it hospitality in your home where uh, you have this home that you're trying to get to the place where people would love to come? Maybe it's the perfect home. Is it entertainment? Is it this perfect meal inside of your perfect home? Uh, I think American hospitality begins to think that way. We think about entertainment. We think about uh, how we can get people to enjoy uh, our space with us, which can be a good thing. Uh, everything perfect. Joanna Gaines, making our house exactly like Joanna Gaines' house. I know that there's people who are aiming for that. Uh, <clears throat> and hospitality is closely tied with generosity, which is what JP talked about last week. And the problem that we have is that we are self-centered, self-focused people much of the time. And it's natural for us to flock to people who are like us, but it's unnatural for us to flock to people who have... Uh, are different than us. And so we end up neglecting real hospitality because of our natural instincts. So we're going to talk about real hospitality uh, versus American hospitality. The gospel hospitality is this. It's welcoming people into our living spaces and treating outsiders as family. It gets a little bit more real for me when I think about just welcoming people to my home. But actually, gospel hospitality or the biblical hospitality is taking people who are not like me and welcoming those people into my home. That is a huge thing, and I think it's something that God wants to do in us and in me especially. It goes after hospitality. Gospel hospitality seeks after new people to make them feel welcome. And I hope that uh, everybody's had their first time at Lifehouse. If you're here, you've at least had one time. And I hope that people will welcome you. And uh, in our members course, we talk about that we want this church to be a hospitable place. And so we would ask people to show up early so that they could be ready. You would never in your home invite people to your home and be late. They're, th they're there before you. And so uh, I noticed that this building does fill up at around 10:15. And so I would challenge you, if you're a member of Lifehouse Church, to be here at 945 to welcome new people. That's really what it means to be hospital. You don't show up late to people who are at your home. And so I would encourage us to do that. And I'm thinking about uh, if you've ever moved to a new city I've moved to a new city a couple times, and I remember moving to college, and I knew my wife. That was part of the reason that I moved to the city that I went to, but I didn't really know very many people. And I remember getting there, and I remember two guys asking me if I would want to go play basketball. And so I ended up playing basketball on Sunday afternoons, and I met new people. And it's like just welcoming someone into the space that you enjoy makes a new person feel welcome as well. And I remember when we moved into Spring Hill, uh, which was about 16 years ago. We moved to Carlion Court, which is right off of Duplex Road, and we're moving in. We don't know, we know very few people. We know nobody in our neighborhood. Uh, the church gathered around us, helped us move into our house uh, and do some work. 
But I remember the first day that we're there, people are bringing over like breakfast casseroles with their phone numbers on it, their neighbors, uh, to let us know that if you need anything, give us a call. People bringing over cookies with their phone number on it, like a card with a phone number on it, so that if we needed anything, that we could give them a call. And I think we felt super welcome coming into that neighborhood because people reached out to us in that way. And we, they had no idea who we were or why we were here. Uh, but that's what they did. And so hospitality is a love for strangers. And I'm going to ask Madison. She's on our life team. The, we have five students and uh, somewhat of an internship. And so I've asked Madison to read. We're going to go to Hebrews 13. I kept giving Madison the wrong. She kept texting me back like, are you sure this? And I think the third time we might have got it right. So hopefully she'll read. John, I'm sorry if this goes bad. It's not my fault if it does. Uh, no, it's all my fault. Hebrews 13 1 through 16, that's the aim of what we're going to read today. We'll see what comes out. Okay. Okay. Starting in verse 1, it says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by the diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not been benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Thank you, Madison. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're grateful for the hospitality that you've shown to us, and I pray that you would work in each of our hearts this morning, remembering the grace you've given to us, that we would be extenders of that grace. And I pray that you would give us an eye and a heart for people who are different than us, and I pray that you would make us one, that we would have unity. Uh, in Christ, and that we would bring other people who don't know you into your kingdom through this hospitality. And so would you work in our hearts this morning? Amen. All right. So this passage starts off, let brotherly love continue. Does anybody know the word for brotherly love? I'm sure you do. I can't hear. Philadelphia? <clears throat> the city of brotherly love? Phileo, yes. All right, so this, this other word that's in here, and it talks about um, show ha hospitality to strangers, is a word that actually goes right along with it. So it talks about show brotherly love, and then it talks about show hospitality. And this word is, 
phileo xenia. Phileo xenia, a love for strangers. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about the city of brotherly love, and then it talks about this love for people who are not like ourselves. I think that changes hospitality and the mindset of uh, what God's called us to uh, a little bit. It challenges me. Phileo exenia, a love for strangers. The literal meaning is loving outsiders. A friend of strangers. I wouldn't say I'm a friend of strangers. I find that difficult. I think most of us naturally find that difficult. But hospitality is a willingness to initiate and welcome people, and especially people who are different than we are. People who we don't know, people who we wouldn't ordinarily have into our home, people who you wouldn't naturally invite over. So this message, I hope, is gonna cost you money, it's gonna cost you time, and it's gonna cost you energy to fulfill it the way that God would want us to do it, okay? So we think about this uh, passage in Hebrews and thinking about what that might mean uh, to first century people who are reading it. And so uh, hospitality in the first century was a bit different. You didn't hop in your car and drop by the hotel when you got tired because it, it didn't really exist. Now, there were inns, but it wasn't like most people could just go. and. Uh, even if you had an animal that you were riding, you probably were a little tired by the time that you got there. And so I think just putting that into context about what it means to welcome people into your home. And so uh, scholars would say that in that time there was four parts to hospitality or to this uh, idea of people being welcomed into your home. And so people who were travelers were weary, they were tired, and they would come to a city and they would be outside the city gates or they might, they would gather at a place like a well where people would gather. And so, and their hope in staying there would be that somebody from the city would come out to them and invite them in. And when they would do that, it wasn't just like, okay, whoever's out there just take whoever. There would have been a screening process. They would maybe interview them or ask them some questions. Where are you coming from? And they would give proof of where they're coming from in some way. Maybe it would be a letter or something from a dignitary where they came from, or maybe it would be belongings or even the clothes that they would wear uh, would give an idea of where they were coming from. And then the host would invite them to their home. This is hospitality. I'm not saying it's the only hospitality, but this is what the Bible is talking about with hospitality, welcoming people who you don't know. And I was uh, reading John Piper was talking about this, and he was talking about how he was trying to be hospitable, and he lived on this street, and there was a car uh, on the street, and he knew there was a homeless couple, and the lady was pregnant, and they had been living there for some time, and he had been trying to work with them. He asked people not to call the police because he really wanted to reach out to them. And it was a cold night, and it was a, he said it was about six degrees, and she was three weeks away from giving birth, and he went out there. He told his wife, uh, I've got to, I've got to, we've got two open bedrooms. We've got to invite these people in. He said it wasn't without a few scripture verses to try to back it up, but we decided we're going to open our home. And so I go out, and I plead with him, would you come in? And he's like, and I knew 
the possibility of my computer not being there when I woke up in the morning is a real possibility. Uh, we don't know exactly who these people are. And I feel even a caution in myself when I speak about doing this kind of stuff because I think of the trouble that we could get ourselves into. But making our home a place of hospitality, I'm not saying to put your family in danger. Uh, and I think there should be a vetting process or a screening process. And we shouldn't just let anybody and everybody. But the, the words are saying, people who are unknown to us to come in. And so I think it's important that we, we think about that and understand what it's saying. So the host would invite them in, and the host would uh, actually help them, give them a place to clean up, wash their feet. You know, Jesus was washing people's feet. A host who's welcoming, who's hospitable, is going to wash and help them. And so a host would wash their feet, and he would give them a meal, not probably leftovers, probably a good meal and give them a place where they could rest. And it was the responsibility of someone who was coming in not to stay more than two nights. You wouldn't just kind of stay forever. And uh, I remember I was a police officer for a while, and uh, it causes some problems when you invite guests into your house because when they come into your house and they put their stuff down, they actually, by law, can stay. And so it's just a little bit scary. Uh, you may have to evict somebody if you really buy into this. I, I'm, not, I'm just joking a little bit, but uh, it's a little bit scary. I've seen that happen where people let someone in, and it's like a month later they're trying to evict them and get them out. Uh, so you don't stay more than uh, two days, and then they would go on, and that would be hospitality in the first century or a part of it. And so cultures are obviously different, but some of the principles and the ideas of this hospitality would still apply. And so uh, some principles or reasons for uh, godly hospitality. And uh, I just want to read out of Deuteronomy real quick. Deuteronomy 10, 17, uh, a reason for gospel hospitality. For the Lord your God is God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is, in, who is not partial and does not take bribes. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, talking to the readers, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So he's talking to the people of Israel who were sojourners. He's saying, remember the grace that I gave to you, that's what I want you to give to other people. So the grace that we have received, we shouldn't just keep, but it keeps on giving. And so uh, gospel hospitality, it executes justice, it loves strangers, it gives food and it gives clothing, even to strangers, to people who we don't love, because we once were strangers, loved by God, and he invited us in. This ups the ante a little bit to hospitality. Why do we do this? Because of what he's given to us. And so deep hospitality has a reason. And that reason is that God loved us and we have this love in our hearts that we would love others. And so uh, we should show hospitality back. As I began to think about hospitality and the things that God would want to do in us, I was thinking about hospitality and evangelism. And uh, these things kept coming up about how hospitality is a baseline for evangelism in our lives. And John Piper said this, when we practice hospitality, we experience the refreshing joy of becoming conduits of God's hospitality rather than being self-decaying cul-de-sacs. Those are dead ends. 
The joy of receiving God's hospitality decays and dies if it doesn't flourish in our own hospitality towards others. Get that? God's hospitality decays and dies if it doesn't flourish in our own hospitality towards others. So this, when we are looking at people, when we're thinking about hospitality, we should be thinking, who is it that I could invite that would draw them not just into my home and relationship, but actually could potentially draw them into the kingdom of God? And where could I spend my money, my possessions, my home, my church? How could I invest those into people, inviting people, so that the kingdom of God might advance? Who needs encouragement? Who needs reinforcement? Because they're lonely or whatever reason might come up in my life. And my eye is bent towards those people. That's my hope for myself. And I think sometimes we try to appease hospitality by uh, giving you know, a homeless guy 10 bucks so he could go get a sandwich. Uh, down t- I work downtown part of the time, and there is uh, no shortage of homeless people now. I mean, it is, it's rampant. It's everywhere. There used to be a, there's a park right beside our office, and in that park, it was full of homeless people, and there's always somebody that we could give to, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't, but I think uh, it's not just hospitality to give our 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is, and let someone go. It's a lot more than that. And we should be careful to try to create this spectacular event at our home that people would love to come to that we could very rarely recreate in having people into our home because people might come through the garage. Sorry, Sarah, she does not like it if our garage is open when we have people over. She wants me to shut the garage and bring people through the front door. And she does an excellent job of hospitality and welcoming people. And sometimes I have to, I'm like, are you okay if we do this again or if we do this a little bit more? Are we gonna be able to do all this this week? She's like, we can do it. Uh, we had that conversation yesterday. And, uh, but she doesn't really like people coming through the garage door. But sometimes, people coming through the garage door actually makes them feel welcome. And it might be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when they get inside, and that could be hospitality as well. All right? All right. So who should we invite? I just want to read out of Luke 14, 12 through 14. It says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Now, I read that to you. If you're a new believer, you don't want to call your parents and be like, hey, I became a believer and you're no longer welcome at my house anymore. Uh, it's, it's almost like um, I could kill you right now. Don't call the police because I'm not going to commit murder. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of mindset. And so least you also, let me start over again. When you, when you have a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Least they also invite you in return so you could be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And it just begins to talk to us. Uh, when, I, when I first start this message and I say, when you think about hospitality, you think about opening your home, are those the people that you think about inviting? I, I don't. I think we need a change of mindset. As I have been studying and looking so I could speak on this, I'm thinking God's been working in my heart that we need to be something different. 
We need to have a mindset change about who we are inviting and what we are looking for. And uh, so who should we invite? We should invite the needy, those who are down and out, those who uh, are in need of help, those who can't do some things on their own. Those are the people that we should have our eyes open to and we should invite. And we should look around for neighbors and for coworkers, for unbelieving friends who we can invite into our home. See, it's so natural for us to just invite the people who are like us and that we would want into our home. That makes it really easy. But if we invite unbelievers and people who are different than us that might have different viewpoints and we invite them into our home, it does something different. And uh, Tim Keller says, hospitality turns strangers into guests, guests into friends, and friends into brothers. That's the ultimate aim of hospitality. And he began, Tim Keller, he began to talk about um, uh, apologetics. He's like, I could get into apologetics and I could argue with people, and I don't know that it's ever brought someone to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that it couldn't, there aren't, there's not room for that, uh, but it probably doesn't. He's like, and I would even go as far to say that my preaching alone doesn't bring people to Jesus, although it certainly can. But it's the love for other people, this foundation of love for people uh, that brings people in. And so hospitality, this foundation of hospitality in our lives actually helps people more than anything else to come into the kingdom of God. Whether it's them coming in the front door or them coming into your home or you inviting them into the things that you love to do that they could be refreshed, whatever it might be, that there's real friendship with people who are different than us that don't know Jesus and invites them right in uh, to become followers of Jesus. They, they're once strangers, but the goal is that now that they are brothers. And so uh, we invite the needy and we invite people who are unbelievers into our home that we would get to know them and that we would see them change. So needy, the neighbors, and also unbelievers. And our church is a small church, so we might mo know most people here, but <clears throat> it would be right for us to welcome other Christians into our home, that they would feel welcome as a part of the church as well. That we don't just not welcome people, but letting new people, letting people who are going through struggles, people who are going through hard times, bringing them into our homes, that they would uh, have a place where they could be nourished and rest as well. And so I don't want to forget about those people. And as I began to think about hospitality and evangelism, I began to think about Bill Hybels, and he used to talk about Matthew parties, how uh, Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, used to have these parties, and it would be strategic parties that would be inviting different groups of people into your house together with the goal of reaching them with the gospel. And so I was thinking about how could we be more strategic about who we invite into our home, inviting unbelievers, and then inviting some of our friends, our Christian friends, who could help us uh, to reach those people as well. And so, who are the people that you could bring to together that would be most strategic? Do you think strategically about who you invite into your home uh, that it might build the kingdom of God? And whenever we're doing these things, uh, when we remember that we once were outsiders who have been welcomed by God, it changes the flavor of our evangelism, but changes the flavor of our hospitality that there's, when there's a deep love for people because of how we've been loved, this deep love is actually the foundation of hospitality. 
So just a couple other things about hospitality. I just want to go back to the beginning of this verse. Hebrews 13.2, it says, Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And this is linking back. If you look at your, your uh, study Bibles, they'll give you scripture links, and it'll refer back to Genesis 18, where Abraham had some people coming, and he began to entertain people. He, he thought they were people. They weren't people. They were angels, and it was the Lord himself that he was entertaining right before they went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And also in Judges 6, Gideon is beginning to entertain uh, men, he thought, and he realizes that these aren't men, but these are angels that he is entertaining. And I think this is literal, that you don't know who you're going to be entertaining. Matthew 25, 36, it says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. Sick, uh, oh boy, I didn't put that whole scripture there. I was sick and you took care of me. And then a little further down, it says, Lord, when did we see you like this? And he said, as you did to the least of these, you've done for me. And I think, do we know, what's the motivation? Is it just to help people? Is it just uh, needy people? Is it so that we can feel better about ourselves that we get, give? Or if you knew Christ didn't have a home, would you welcome him in? If you knew someone didn't have food, if you knew Jesus was hungry, would you ever push him away? And he says, just as you did for the least of these, you've done for me. So ultimately, a love for people is a motivation for hospitality. And we have to kind of get past some of our insecurities and the comfortable seats and the comfort of our house, maybe even the comfort of our favorite restaurant in order to reach new people. And I pray that we as a church would be this way as well, welcoming different people into our doors different people into our homes, different people into our lives. So I just want to read another passage for us. This is uh, out of Luke 14. And uh, this is Jesus telling a parable. And the parable is about hospitality, but it explains just a little bit more. <clears throat> a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those in the house who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And the other said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I, go to examine, I have to go to examine them. Please excuse me. And the other said, I have just married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported this to the master, and the master of the house became angry, and he said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets, to the lanes, into the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has already been done, and there is still room for the banquet. And he said, the master said to his servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who you invited shall taste my banquet. I think this tells about the gospel, that God is uh, a great hospitality. He, he's perfect at hospitality. He's providing a great banquet for us, the ultimate banquet, the ultimate hospitality. He's providing a feast. And thinking about this parable, who doesn't come? to the banquet. Who is it that doesn't come? It's the person who's buying land, 
the person who's bought oxen, the one who's getting married. This is the people who are somewhat successful and somewhat well off. Who doesn't come? Well, at first it's the poor and the blame, but then he goes back out and he invites those people in as well, the needy. So those who don't need have no reason to come, but those in need, those are the ones who come. And it doesn't say just invite them. He says, bring them in. Bring them in. Almost like they're ready to come. They're just waiting for the invitation. They're ready to come. I think about the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? Are we poor in spirit that we know of our need for God? Or are we middle class in spirit? Not that bad off. No, we need some help, but probably can manage things on our own. I know I'm not perfect, but I got some pretty good qualities about me. The middle class in spirit. Poor in spirit say this, even my good is not very good. I need grace, and I desperately know it. I need help, and I'll take any invitation that I can get to help me. That's the poor in spirit. And I think sometimes the poor in spirit, they think I'm not worthy. I can't come in. I feel like this morning, God's saying there's some who are poor in spirit who have said, I'm not good enough. And there's no qualification. It's just, are you ready to come in? This is the gospel that Jesus came from heaven, this perfect place where there was no need, where there was this great banquet, and he came to earth that's falling and in disaster. And he does it to invite those who are willing to come. The, the needy, the poor in spirit. And sometimes what we become is just middle class, not realizing our great need for God. I think Western culture can easily become middle class in spirit, not knowing of our great need for God. And he's putting on this banquet for all of us. And we've got excuses about why we can't come. And we get so busy with all of the good things that we need to do, and we don't come. And he's inviting us again today to come, to remember our need for him, to be poor in spirit. The question is, are you poor in spirit? Do you know it? Do you know your need for grace? God is welcoming you in. He's welcoming the poor in spirit in. He's welcoming them to the feast. He's ready to clothe. He's ready to give everything that he has upon us. For middle class in spirit, we might need a little bit of help. We actually need to recognize that we need to be poor in spirit, that we are in great need of a savior. So the ultimate home, the ultimate hospitality is heaven. We're actually not going to be perfect on this side. And even if you try to be Joanna Gaines, you'll never be Joanna Gaines. And even if Joanna Gaines does it perfectly, she's still not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be right. Because we're made for a different place. We're made for a different type of feast. And Jesus 
left heaven to help us find our way back to him. That's what he wants. He wants us to find a way back to him. And he says when he left, John 14, that I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house where there's no death, there's no pain, there's no sickness, there's no heartache. And he welcomes us right into that place. In Revelation 21, it talks about this city that's to come where there's no pain and no suffering. And when we see it, we're going to be like, this is what I was looking for. This is true hospitality. This is what makes my heart full. We can find it by being poor in spirit. Jesus is the ultimate host. I mean, think about how he fed people. Not even, I mean, who's fed 5,000? Who's fed 3,000? Who just loves to go to the banquet? Who prepares a room for us? Nobody does it like he does it. He is the ultimate hospitality, and he's welcomed us in, and because of that, we should welcome others in, right? If I could have the band come back up. Phileo xenia, not a tolerance for other people, but a love for people who are not like us. God, would you help us? Would you help my heart to love people who are different than me? Would you help me to open my eyes and see the people that you want me to love? Would you help me to have a brotherly love for strangers? I need help. See, this message, I'm really not, I'm preaching to myself. I really am. I feel convicted by it. A couple practical steps. Let me give you 10 practical steps towards hospitality. Look for people who need encouragement and make a list. Make a list of people who need it. Make a plan. If you don't have a plan, it'll never happen. And keep it simple and keep it doable or else it'll never happen. Make a budget for it. Would you make a budget for hospitality? Would you make a place in your budget that's specifically reserved to help other people who are in need? And don't take it from what you give to the church. Put it in addition to. Put it in addition to. Make a budget to spend on other people. And then pray for that list. Pray for those people and see what God does. And then make the invite. Invite people into your home. Not just people who are like you, but strategically invite people that God wants you to open your home to. Look for a spark. When they're in your home and you're comfortable and they're comfortable and you begin to find out the reality about people's lives, their needs, their hurts, their desires, and just look for sparks of the gospel. Things that might just, like, I think God might be doing something here. Keep an eye out for those things. And when you see them, invite them into your spiritual house. Invite them to be around other people, other believers. Eat with people. I know John Privet, he gave a message about eating your way to the gospel. Like, eating with people makes people feel comfortable. Eating with people is so easy. It's a way to... Uh, be open with people, to relax with people, be open to spontaneous relationships, to inviting people all the time. Find ways that our community needs help. And if you can't do it on your own, 
Talk to Kimberly, she figures out ways. Talk to other people who are finding people in our community who need help. Kimberly's doing a, a Thanksgiving baskets for 100 people. And uh, she looks for people who are needy. She has a heart for people who need. Find people to help you to do this. All right? Let me finish with this. A challenge. John asked me to challenge our church. He said, would you challenge our church in hospitality? I said, I sure will. So we challenge our church. But if you're not in our church and you're listening or just visiting, let me challenge all of us to hospitality. Would you initiate hospitality with somebody who you wouldn't ordinarily have in your home? Have someone in your home who needs encouragement, who's down and out, who can't give you anything back. Look for the poor. Look for the needy. Would you invite them into your home? Would you invite them into the activities of your life? And then pray for them that God would do something supernatural and look for the spark. Look to see if there's a spark that God might want to flame. Right? Let's stand. We're going to finish and respond by singing. Uh, we'll have baskets for giving for those who call themselves members of Lifehouse Church and want to give. And uh, there's communion in the back that you can take with friends, family, strangers. Welcome somebody to take communion with you. That's reserved for believers, but if you're a believer, even if you've just given to your heart to the Lord today, you can partake of that. And uh, also prayer. If you feel like you need prayer for something, there will be people over here on my left and your right to pray with you. And uh, so let's do that. Let's move into that right now, and then I'll come back up here in just a minute and pray for us. But let's worship, give, and respond. <laughs>